Well, as I mentioned, we, we were on, on vacation, and uh, how many here enjoy good vacation? Like, what's your favorite vacation destination if you had to pick one? Just shout it out. Paris? I've never, have you been to Paris? Awesome. Favorite vacation destination? Everyone's leaving for Sunday school. I'm not that boring, guys. Come on. Like half of everyone left. It's okay. Favorite vacation destinations? Just yell it out. DeGraff. Hutakana. Ooh. That's nice. I've never been. So, have you been? Mm-hmm. Okay, where else? Is it actually that nice, or just because your son lives there? Yes. <laughs> All right, what else? Favorite vacation destination? All right, maybe change the quest. Sorry, I cut you off. I didn't hear you the whole time. Rocky Mountains? Oh, yeah, I was there when I was 12. We went camping, and it was really cool. The grizzly bears tried to eat us, but that's okay. Uh, okay, change the question. What is your favorite, uh, maybe want-to-be vacation destination. Like, you would just love to go there someday. Bora Bora. Hawaii. You know what I hear? I hear Fiji's nicer. Just, that's what I hear. But I don't know if that's true. It's nicer. Do graphs bend? No. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know if this would be my, my, my long-term, like, favorite vacation destination, but I've always wanted to go to California. I don't, just, not to live or anything, but to go and visit. I don't know why. I just always thought it'd be cool to go see. Not, like, because I like to see the Hollywood sign or all that. I mean, I would do that if I was there, but... I would love to just, you know, fly to Vancouver, rent a car, and just drive down the coast. We've got friends in Seattle, and, you know, make my way through Northern California, and, you know, whatever. I just think that would be a phenomenal trip, and then maybe just keep going to Mexico. I don't know, but, uh, or not, but we'll see. I, you know my ultimate road trip would be, though? I mean, I just did this trip to down south with three kids, and I don't want to do that anytime soon again. But I would love to jump in the car or a truck, or with a camper, or whatever. And I would love to just pick a direction, left or right, on Highway 17 here, and just begin to drive. And then when I got to one coast, I would go down the coast, and then I would go across the continent, and then back up another coast, and then turn back onto Highway 17, or on number one, depending what province we're in, maybe take the ferry to Newfoundland. I don't know if I'd want to do that, but, you know, Newfoundland is gorgeous, so maybe I would. And then just drive back across the country the other way. So basically, go around the block, but go the long way around. And I think that would be the ultimate road trip. And I mapped it out on Google once. And I figured the amount of time that it takes and all the sites that you would want to see, it would probably take a good chunk of time. So I would think maybe a year would be enough time, perhaps, to do this in. So maybe when I retire in like 100 years, because people are living longer, right? So by the time I retire... Pastors don't retire. What am I kidding? By the time I take a sabbatical for a year, ultimate vacation adventure is what I'm looking forward to. But I really, I really appreciated the time that we had together as a family. And, and uh, we knew that coming to Terrace Bay uh, it would be uh, so much joy in ministry. But we also knew that being away from family would be a, a big decision and a hard decision to make. And uh, it would be a challenge. And it's a, one of the best challenges that you can absolutely have is being away from family. Because it means that you have family. And uh, I really appreciate uh, the time that we've had spent with them. And I also appreciate the grace that this church has shown to my family to allow us the time to go and uh, just be refreshed, to visit with our, our loved ones and, and have that time together. And it's so important that we do that. But I also come back with so much joy knowing that we come back to a family. And so as much as it was nice to go see our blood relatives, it really is good to come back to be with you, our church family. And uh, I can honestly say I missed home. And so it's good to be home. I said, we slept in our own beds last night. And I said, I said, this is still weird. This is like, you know, it's weird being in my own bed, but it's so nice. And uh, it's so good to be home. Even when the grass is long and you look at all the things that you got to do around the house and you think of all the things coming up and you think, oh, it's just so good to be back home. And I'm thinking of the neighbors that we have down the road and, you know, we, we, we see them on Facebook and this and that, but it's just not the same. It's so good to be home. 
And, uh, you know, I, was, I saw some of your posts here and there and, and sort of connected with a few of you where we were away. And I mentioned we saw Dan and Hannah. You know, we just couldn't get away from our church family. It's so refreshing to hear from you, to see you again. And uh, much thanks to Frank, who uh, filled in for us last week and sort of last minute the week before. And uh, here's, here's the funny story that I have to tell you. So I always knew that God would call us to pastor in the north. Just, just knew what would happen. And so... Uh, as we moved here, I found out that a new pastor in Thunder Bay was coming in, and I knew him, I knew his son, and we've got a really good relationship. I got friends in Long Lock, another friend of mine moved up to Long Lock, and we always joked, we said, hey, we have all these people that can fill in for one another when we're away. And they all told me, you know, whenever you need someone to come and speak, we're here for you. And so I had someone lined up to come, and then they canceled like last minute, and my other friend, I said, no problem. I said, I got lots of people on my list. Nobody. Frank, we just praise the Lord for you and give him thanks to the Lord for your willingness to serve our church, both with song and in speaking. And so we just uh, pray the Lord's blessing over you and appreciate. Frank is one of our board members, if you haven't met him yet, and uh, we do appreciate the way he serves our church, along with both Glory and now DeGraft as well, as well as everybody else. If I keep going through the list, I'm going to name all of you. Anyways, it is good to be home. Uh, how many know that vacation, um, it's not just, you know, for me... This is, my, this is the way I do vacation. It's a way to recharge, refresh, have some fun, change the scenery. It's a time I find, though, as well, especially this kind of vacation, where we get to just reflect and pray and be encouraged for the future of our church. Now, some of you would say maybe that's not a vacation if you go away thinking about work. But what I do is not work, in my opinion. Like, it takes hard work. It takes time, blah, 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 blah. But when you speak... Take yourself out of, you know, your regular routine and you just strategically spend a few moments alone with God. You know, it's amazing the things that he begins to reveal to you about your own life, about your situation. And it's just like a realignment. You know, you bring your car in every so often to get a tune-up, to get an oil change, all of these things. It's kind of the same thing on vacation in my mind or uh, maybe not even vacation, but you just take a few days away out of your regular routine and you just spend that time in the presence of God. And he begins to download, you know, maybe some old things, some new things, some reminders along the way. Um, and I believe that, you know, I, I can't say here's exactly what God said to me about our church other than this. I believe, and I've always believed this, but as I spend time with him, I'm just reminded yet again that there are things, there are dreams, there have been, I think, things that have been prophesied about our church, uh, maybe since its inception, that have been birthed maybe, or seeds that have been planted in our hearts, in the lives of people that have either come here before, that are here now, that I believe that God is saying to us, we want to see some of these seeds begin to grow. And so for so long, a lot of these seeds have been buried, they've been watered, they've been fertilized, and we're just needing a little bit of heat, a little bit of momentum to see some of these things grow. And I'm really believing that this next season, now I don't know what all of these things are, and uh, why do I not know? You're the pastor. You're supposed to be able to know these things, pastor. Where is God taking us? Well, you know what? This is what I believe. This is my philosophy this morning. As I believe that God speaks to each and every one of his people. I mean, okay, so I'm a child of God. Are you a child of God? Just nod your head this morning. Okay. Um, I have three children. Uh, so Mackenzie's the oldest. And if I were to talk to Mackenzie... And I say, okay, Mackenzie, this is who we are as a family. This is what we're all about. And I only talk to Mackenzie. How do you think Catherine and Leland would feel as they got older? My dad never talks to me. I don't know about our family. I don't know anything about our history. I don't know what we're all about. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do that. I believe that God speaks to every single one of his children. Are you with me this morning? I believe that he puts dreams in you. I believe he puts his vision in you. And I've talked about this so many times that God has breathed his breath into our lungs because you are a child of God and he has given you a new life to live in Jesus Christ. And I believe that he speaks to you and I believe that so many things have been planted with, from him that are for his kingdom here in Terrace Bay Scriber in our whole area. And I'm really believing that over this next season that we will begin to see some of these things come to life, that we'll see them just come start to bear fruit. I know that we have had so many faithful members, and you're all sitting here this morning, that have 
you know, served faithfully our church, that have attended faithfully, that have been working day in and day out, year after year, week after week, and it's all for a good thing. It's all for the kingdom, but I'm really believing that God is going to continue to open up the heavens, open up the floodgates, and we're going to be able to see dreams begin to come to fruition. So here's the thing, though, is I believe that God has some incredible things for our sto- in store for our church, for our community. Uh, but the thing to remember is that it's all about him. It's his doing. It's his work. He's just using us, his tools, his vessels to get it done. And so what does it take to see some of these happen? This is, these are a few things that come to mind. Uh, they are really big things, so they take lots of prayer. They take lots of planning. They take lots of prayer. They take lots of strategy. They take lots of prayer. They take lots of labor. They take lots of prayer. They take lots of faith. They take lots of prayer. They take lots of sacrifice. They take lots of prayer. They take lots of praise. And again, they take lots of prayer. Is there anything that sounds repetitive in that statement this morning? Anything at all. I could do it again if you want. Please don't make me do it again. Do I know what every, all of these things are? Absolutely not. But you know, as, as your pastor, my heart is to see you grow in leaps and bounds in your faith and to see God use you in incredible ways. Maybe you don't even know that you, you don't even know that you can. Maybe you do know and, and you just don't want to. Maybe you just haven't discovered everything that God has for you. And maybe you're exactly where God needs you to be. And what you do is exactly the way that God needs you to, to be. And that's okay too. Because he has you in, in the right place. Because again, it's about him. And so all of these things, the, the, the work, the prayer, the sacrifice, the prayer, all comes to him. And I threw in praise there because it's all about him. It's all about his work. And so we have to give God the glory for it because it's his work. Because God-given hopes and dreams, God-sized visions and plans all come from him and need to be praised towards him. And so why am I talking about this? How does this relate to vacation? How does this relate to all I asked you? You know, what's your favorite vacation destination? What is your vacation that you want to go on? And it all comes back to this. And coming back to the whole idea we are alive in Christ, new life begins with Christ, and being alive in him, what does that mean? Well, I believe this morning that God is calling us to the greatest adventure that we could ever imagine in our entire lives. And so I talk about my ultimate road trip, maybe, you know, driving, you know, to California someday. Now, this is what I've learned. So my plan in my mind is this. Let's drive all the way around the continent. That would be a, quite a phenomenal road trip. You would see some pretty phenomenal, there's some pretty cool monuments. So this is what I discovered. If I wanted to drive around the road trip that I planned, I looked at all the things that I would miss out. So I wouldn't get to see Mount Rushmore or the Grand Canyon or... What was the other one now? I can't think of it. It'll come to me. Those are some pretty significant monuments and natural sites that I think would be phenomenal to see. And so if I just kept the blinders on and said, this is the way that we're going, no matter what would happen, I would miss out on so many great things. Driving up from Michigan, I like Michigan because you can get on the interstate, you can put the pedal down, you can put the cruise control on, and people are still going faster than you are. It's amazing how fast a minivan can go. It's incredible. Just saying. And we did a Costco run. It's amazing how full you can make a minivan. And you know what? I'm proud to say no child threw up this trip. Praise the Lord. Not that you want to know that. But here's the thing about the interstate. I love it because you can get on the interstate. You put the pedal down and away you go. And, uh, you know, you get off on your exit when you need to stop. And you can see every stop is the same. They have a gas station, a McDonald's, and some place that you can buy stuff at, you know, an outlet mall or whatever. And uh, I realized when you get into Sault Ste. Marie, when you cross the border, you go, this is great. You're in the middle of a city. You're not even on a highway. You get to the highway and you got to wait because there's, you know, 50 cars ahead of you that are all going slower than you want to go. And then you finally get a chance to pass them and it's construction. So you can't get around them. You can't pass them in the second lane because it's only a two lane highway. But here's the thing. You get to see so much more of the curves of the road, the rocks, the trees. You get to go through every little town, and they're, they're gorgeous little characteristic towns that you get to go through. So why am I talking about road trips and all this and that? The adventure that God has for you isn't always an interstate, okay? 
the adventure God has for you isn't always an interstate. He wants you to see the details. He wants you to be involved in the lives of the people around you. And so what does this mean? If I get to work and I get in my car or I get on my bike or I walk and I just go to the office, go to the mill, whatever my job may be, and I do my job and I come back, we can easily miss the point of what God has called us to do. Because all the ministry, all the hopes and dreams, everything that God has called us to do is all about one thing, and that is the people that he loves, that he created, that he cares about. And so we've talked about we value every single person's life. We value all life, whether they've been born or unborn. We believe that all life is valuable. And so it's so easy just to get into the routines of life and totally skip by the people that are around us, do what we have to do, and come back home. And so many times we miss out on all the wonderful things in between, the wonderful God moments that maybe he's ordained for us. Now, maybe some days you just need to get home. You know, you got to get home, you got to make food for the kids, all of these things. And maybe in the morning you got to get going, you just got to get to work. And I understand the routines and I value the process as well, but slip beyond our routine. And so let me just share with you, before I get way off my notes, and we will open the Bible this morning, I promise, because this comes from the Word of God. I I believe it's from the Lord this morning. But following God means being alive in Jesus means the greatest adventure is about to continue. Personally, I've been challenged the last few months uh, and reminded that uh, what God has called us to do is to become a disciple of Jesus and to make disciples. And so all, this, all that essentially means in my mind is duplication, duplication, duplication. And uh, maybe I've shared this analogy before, but when I was like six years old, I started helping out at my local church. And uh, I really enjoyed sound and everything, so I would help in the sound room. And at the end of service, they would take the tape out of the tape recorder from the message that was just recorded. They'd put it in this machine, and they'd put three blank tapes in, and they would duplicate the message because people would like to take it home, or they'd give it to people that were teaching in Sunday school and all of these things. And they would take that tape, and it would make a duplicate of the original tape, the original message. Now, maybe what you would do with your blank cassette tapes was put it into your stereo, and when your favorite song came on on the radio, you would just press record, and you'd make your own mixtape. Those are the best kinds of duplicated tapes, but you get a little bit of everything. You don't get just the message from God. You get everything that's on the radio, and sometimes you get the commercial in there, and you you don't stop it just at the right time. Now, kids these days, teenagers these days, even some millennials, people my age, will not understand the struggles that you have trying to make a mixtape. It's just the way it is. But what God is calling us to do, he's calling us to duplicate, not ourselves, because we got the commercials, we got the songs that we don't want. He's calling us to duplicate the Jesus, the Christ that is in us. And how do we duplicate Jesus if he's not alive within our hearts? Because if we just make copies of ourselves, which, believe me, you don't want another Gary around. You can only handle one. Maybe one's too much sometimes as it is. It's just the way it is. He's calling us to duplicate the Jesus inside of us. And so my challenge personally has been, you know, find someone that you can just pour your life into. Find people that you can pour your life in. This is the model that Jesus gave. He took 12 guys and he just poured himself into these 12 men. Now, they were all, you know, they all have different personalities. And one day, I say one day because I don't have it in the calendar yet. One day we're going to do just a 12-week series-ish on the 12 apostles, you know, called to follow. Someday, maybe the winner will do it. I'll let you know when that happens. But he took 12 guys and he just emptied himself. He poured everything. He, he took them along on the greatest adventure that they could have ever imagined, beyond what they could have ever imagined, more than they, with one of the disciples that we're talking about today. And let's jump into Luke chapter 5. Now, Frank, did you talk about this, this verse, Luke 5, making fishers of men? He did. Okay, so you might already have heard this, but it's okay. We're not going to stay here this morning. We're going to go to another story in just a second. But he took some people on the most incredible, daring experience of their lives. And just so you know, I may be boring sometimes as a speaker, as a pastor when I speak. I Hopefully I keep you entertained, not entertained, hopefully I keep you engaged. That's the better word to say, engaged with the word and with what Jesus is saying. But following Jesus is never meant to be boring. And so if you think being a Christian is boring, you're doing it wrong, okay? Now mundane tasks, you know, in and out. It takes work, process, 
We value that too. But following Jesus is never meant to be boring, okay? Uh, and so just be prepared. As we sang that song today, Oceans, I strategically picked that song because I knew what I was speaking about today. I don't always do that. Sometimes I do. But I heard everyone singing, you know, Spirit lead me where my trust is without borders. And these great words to this song. If you really believe that this morning, uh, don't expect to be too comfortable, okay? Because following Jesus isn't boring. If you're at Luke chapter 5, say there. If you're not there, just listen, Okay. Uh, One day, Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. The people were crowding around him, listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by two fishermen who were washing their nets. You know, it doesn't say he asked them. This is what it says. He got into the boat, into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put it out a little from shore. He sat down and taught the people from the boat. I could tell you why he did that another day. When he finished speaking, he said to Simon, pull out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night, haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boats to come and help them. They came and filled the boats so full that they began to sink. When Peter, Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. There's a good sign of humility right there. Chapter, verse 9. For he and all of his companions were astonished at the catch of the fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. And some translations say, make you a fisher of men. So they pulled their boats up on the shore, left everything, and followed him. Okay. Put yourself in Peter's shoes this morning. You are a fisherman. Your father was probably a fisherman. Uh, You've done this your whole life. You've prepared for this your whole life to be a fisherman, to fish the lake, the seas, Bring the fish, sell it to market, make a nice little life for yourself, and that is the life that you've chosen to live. You have a bad night, you fished all night long, and you didn't catch a single thing. You meet a man, he takes you into the deep water, and you get the, you know, you know, you hear the stories. You know, I caught a fish that was true, though, except, you know, they're not exaggerating. They're saying, hey, we caught so many fish on this night that we had to call the other boats to come in and fill up the boats. And they began to sink because there was just so many fish. Now, if you caught that much fish all that night, you now know that it's possible. You've spent your whole life preparing to be a fisherman, and you have found the ultimate fishing hole. Incredible. And then you choose, at the word of this man, to give it all away. I mean, what, what an incredible crossroads to be at. Continue fishing. I found the best fishing hole my whole life. Or I follow this man who I pretty well have just met, and I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to leave everything behind. Because obviously what this man has to offer is more than anything I could ever work for in my entire life. You know, we know that the fish are here, but I know that he's calling me to something greater than the fish that I've known. And some of us this morning, we may be at that crossroads saying, you know what, I know I've been doing this my whole life, or I've just learned how to do this. I've just got down this routine. I just figured out how to do this part. And now God is saying, no, I want you to take a shift, and I want you to go this way. I want you to do something that you've never done before. I want to take you somewhere that you've never been before, because I have something far greater than you could have ever imagined before in your life. Before the adventure begins... Before we're even ever called to pray about the adventure, we're first called to follow. We're first called to follow. Jesus says, follow me. That's the first decision that we have to make. If we want the adventure that Jesus has for us, we have to choose to follow. The second one, of obviously, as I mentioned repeatedly, God's adventure comes from a season of prayer and a season of resting in his presence and in his word. And so let's read another story this morning from the book of Matthew chapter 14. You've probably heard it before. If you haven't, uh, you're going to be amazed. And if you have heard it before, you might still be amazed because it's a really cool, incredible story in Matthew 14. Same guy, 
same, same man that decided to follow Jesus. These are the kinds of things that you get to do when you follow Jesus, just saying. It says in verse, or chapter 14, starting in verse 22, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him. Now, I'm just going to pause right there. It's going to take forever. I know. It's okay. Stay with me. So it says immediately they got, he says, get in the boat and let's go. So what's going on here? Let me just set up the story. I should have done this already. John the Baptist, who was the predecessor, the announcer to Jesus, has just been killed. He's been beheaded. And Jesus wants to go spend some time in prayer. He wants to mourn. It was his cousin after all. Uh, He was a man of God, and he cared very deeply for him. And he wants to go and just be alone to reflect on his life, reflect on the mission that God has set before him, because he knows, and we'll read in a few chapters ahead, he's preparing for the road to Jerusalem, which will lead him to the cross. He knows that his days, to a point, are numbered. And so he hears the death of John the Baptist, who has prepared the way for the Messiah, and he is now... In this moment of grief, of sadness, of just really wanting to get ready, but knowing himself on the mountainside, there's all these people that have been listening to his teaching, that he's been praying for, that he's been healing, miracles have been happening, and he really needs a time of rest. And and all these people are here bothering him in, in a good reason. I mean, if you needed a miracle, you would do whatever you could to get your miracle. Uh, he's tired. He is a human man, after all, in this point in the story. And so he says, I need to rest. He feeds 5,000 men and their families. He spends the day healing the sick and feeding them. So he says, guys, the time has come. Get into this boat and get going. We need to get away from here. Have some peace in the boat. I'll meet you on the other side. I'm going up the mountain to pray and to rest. So this is what he says. Here we go. After he had dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside to pray himself. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land. Just so you know, it's about four to five miles from shore. Buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out on them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. Some translations I kind of like a little bit better because I think it, it, it captures what Jesus is actually saying. It says, Take courage, I am with you. But the new NIV says, Don't be afraid. It is I. And then here's, here's Peter. Here's the one who saw Jesus fill his boat with fish. He has followed him now through his ministry for, for some time. He says, Lord, if it is you, Lord, if it is you, tell me to come out onto the water. Come, he said. Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? Could you imagine? Okay, so I look at Peter in my eyes, and I say, okay, here's a man who just said, if it is you, tell me to get out of the boat. I don't think in the middle of the lake, especially this lake, I would get out of the boat. Now, keep in mind, they don't have life preservers. They're, they're in one little boat. He could probably swim, but you can only, I don't know, I, I can't swim five miles. Can you? If you can, that's awesome. I know some people that probably can. I can't do that. And he says, if it is you, get out of the, call me, tell me to get out of the boat. And he gets out of the boat, and he starts to walk. And yet, when he sees the wave, he begins to sink. And Jesus says, you have little faith. Well, what kind of faith do you want me to have, Jesus? He got me out of the boat. That's just, my, just sort of what I think. But he says, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? When they climbed into the boat, the wind died down, and those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. An incredible moment. As you know, these 12 guys that are following him, you know, they've decided to follow. They've seen the miracles that he's done. They've been on this wild ride of the adventures that they've been on, and some of them still do not understand who this man is. But it's this moment they begin to worship him as the son of God. 
You know, some people can see miracles. They can hear stories about Jesus. They can even spend time in his presence, and they still don't know. Under You know, I've had my own moments of doubt, and it's okay to have those moments of doubt. We read uh, about doubting Thomas, who really didn't believe in Jesus until he saw him after he had died and resurrected from the grave. You know, he followed Jesus for three years, and he still didn't believe until that moment. He was one of the closest members of Jesus' following, and he still had struggles to believe in who this man was, to believe that he was the Son of God, that he was powerful. And yet, Jesus welcomed him into his tribe, into his brotherhood, into his following. I'm pretty sure there's a lesson in there for us somewhere. Even in our doubts, we can still have faith and trust that God is who he says he is. And when the men of the place recognized Jesus, let's go back up, verse 34, when they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret. Sorry, I can't say it again. Gennesaret. And when the men of the place recognized Jesus, they sent word to all the surrounding, surrounding country. People brought all their sick to him and begged him to let the sick just touch the edge of his cloak. And all who touched it were healed. Uh, and again, what an incredible amount of faith to say, if I can just touch his cloak, I will be healed. So let's, let's break down this story just a little bit. There's a ton of things that we could pull out of the story that the Lord could be speaking to us this morning. And if you want to do a Bible study on this later, I'm more than happy to sit down with you and we'll, we'll, we'll talk it through. But let's just pull out three things, four-ish things from this this morning. God's adventures come from prayer and from rest. We know that Jesus went up on the mountainside to pray. And so he had to spend some time with his heavenly father. He had to spend some time resting because after all, he was in the body of a man. And he was preparing for the road to Jerusalem. He didn't know when or how maybe, but he knew that it was coming. He knew what his purpose was. The pinnacle of why he came was on its way and he needed to spend time with the father. His closest followers, the disciples, needed their rest. So he puts them in a boat. He says, get into this boat. Now we know that it was wavy and it was kind of rough. So it was slow going. But, you know, sometimes in the storm, we have to slow down a little bit. We have to put down the anchor for safety. And there's nothing that we can do except wait and rest. And so when chaos in our life begins to happen, when things stop going our way and and, and Things just seem to be flipped upside down, and we're just having a hard time moving forward. It's like I, I was sharing at the beach, uh, the, the cottage that we were at just before service, that we had some big waves come in. It's right on Lake Erie, and, and what tends to happen right in front of the cottage, just the way it sort of, the bay sort of happens, we end up getting a lot of seaweed that pours up on the shore. Now, it's rather disgusting and gross because the waves tend to break it down and it turns into this goop. And so if you really want to have a nice swim, we had to walk through like five, six feet of this like yucky seaweed goop. And, and it was kind of slow going because it gets wrapped around your foot and it kind of pulls you back. You can't run nearly as fast as you want to into the water. And, and I have young kids and so, you know, it's like up to their neck in seaweed. And, you know, it's, it's awesome. So it's the best part when the waves picked up again. You walk through and the wave comes and it splashes the seaweed. It's tough going. You're walking through and you say, "Why? what is going on? Why, why is this so hard? Why, why can I not do the things that I'm supposed to be doing or want to be doing? And everything just seems to be falling apart around me. Or not, Everything keeps breaking. I can't find my way through. And sometimes we just need to stop, take a breath, and rest. So here we have the disciples. Jesus gets them immediately in the boat. He says, go. Just I'll meet you on the other side, get into the boat, have some rest, have some quiet together, just sit and relax in the storm, would you? <laughs> okay, relax in the storm, that sounds great. We, we know what that's like from another story where Jesus calms the waves. But we know that before every season of ministry or every encounter, either pre or post encounter, Jesus always took time to rest and to pray. Before every adventure, before every miracle, he spent time with the Father. Because he knew that he would have to empty himself out of everything that he had. Every last bit of energy, every ounce of, of, uh, that he had, he would pour out into the people around him. And so what do you need to do to get that back? You need to rest. You need to recuperate. Before every adventure comes, we need to spend time in prayer 
and in rest. One, because our adventure comes from God. We have to know where he wants us to go, what he wants us to do, who he wants us to meet. And we only find that information out through our time of prayer. Now, sometimes as you're going, a door opens, and you think, I didn't pray about that. I didn't hear that in my prayer, my prayer life or whatever, and that's okay, too. Sometimes that's just the way God works. You know, it's easier once you get going. It's easier to turn a ship that's already moving than one that's standing still. And sometimes he just redirects us, and we just trust that it's from the Lord, and we believe that he gives us a spirit of discernment to make those decisions. But every great adventure, every great decision is made through time of prayer and rest. I don't know what number we're on, but the next, the next part of adventure means that it, it requires us to take a risk. And risk, of course, requires us to take a step of faith. Now, um, we hear Jesus say to some people that he's healed, he says, it's your faith that has made you whole. It's your faith that has healed you. It's your faith, it's your faith, it's your faith. But he also then shares that if your faith is just the size of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. And so here's what I've learned about faith in, in my maybe shorter life than some of you, if I can put it that way, is that it's not about how much faith you have. It's about who your faith is in. I stole that from somebody, okay? Just I didn't come up with that on my own. I really should give credit. I can't remember who I heard it. and You probably heard it said before. But it is true. It's not about how much faith you have. It's about who your faith is in. And so the disciples, you know, they're, they're afraid what they think is a ghost. But all they need to hear are the words of Jesus. All they need to know is that God is with them, is indeed Jesus. And as he speaks, he says, take courage. I am here. So adventure with God comes from prayer and rest. Adventure takes risk. Risk requires faith. Faith can sometimes be another word for courage. Not in our own strength, not because I'm some strong guy, because I'm really not. Not because, you know, I, I got it all together, but because my faith is placed into the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the creator of the universe. My faith is in God. He says, take courage, I am with you. Now, I like the older NIV and some other translations. The ESV says, I am with you. And why do I like that a little bit better than the way this is translated? Let me tell you why. When you jump back X number of pages in your Bible and you go to the story of Moses climbing up the mountain, looking after his sheep, as he approaches the burning bush and he asks the bush, why are you on fire? Who are you? What's the response that he gets? I am who I am. And that was enough. I am Yahweh. I am the God. I am the great I am. I am. It is God. It is the creator, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, the God that breathed the breath into your lungs that gave you life. I am the God who stands before you. And as Jesus walks across the water and they say, who are you? It's a ghost. He says, take courage. I am with you you. I am. And so it's no wonder when he gets into the boat, they begin to worship him and declare clearly, surely you are the son of God. Take courage. I am with you. Adventure takes risk. Risk requires faith. And our faith is in a great God. It's in the great I am. Have courage to take that step of faith. Have courage to take that risk. Have courage to get off the interstate, get off the divided highway, and, and see all that God has for you. You know, our culture is all about how fast can we get something done, how cheap can we get it done, and, and how quickly can we get there so that we can move on to the next project. And sometimes God is just saying, hey, it's not just about getting done. It's about how you get there. Because I believe in people, and I want to believe and pour into the people around you. And I come back to this story. When I was, my first time I went to college, I've told you that story before. If you want to hear more about it, ask me later. We had uh, one of the alumni, he came back to our dorm, and we kind of had a special dorm, a special bond that we were a part of. And, and uh, he, he tells this story. He was on his way down the highway going somewhere. I can't remember. It's not the important part of it. I want you to get off here. 
He hears the voice and he says, I'm not doing that. I've got a place I got to be. And here's the voice again. No, I need you to take this exit. So he does. He takes the exit. He says, I want you to go down this street. So I gave him a picture of the place that he was looking at. If, I, if memory serves me correctly, I've, you know, I've heard the story. It's been a while. You'll get the gist of it. And it, just, just go with me on this one. He, he gets the map. He gets sort of the picture of where he's going in this community. He, he pulls in. He, he takes the, the, right, you know, the right streets to get there. And he comes to this trailer, mobile home, whatever. And he says, okay, God, I'm here. Why do you want me to come here? He says, now go knock on the door. I'm not doing that. What am I going to say? He says, go knock on the door. He goes and knocks on the door. No one answers the door. He says, okay, God, I, I came here, knocked on the door. He says, go inside. I'm not going inside. <laughs> go inside. He goes to the door and goes inside. Finds a man laying on the floor who has, I think, passed out from drinking or maybe he's overdosed. This is the part of the story that gets a little bit fuzzy. Whatever transpires from that moment there, he begins to help this gentleman and whether they get him to the hospital and rehab and all these things. And the guy basically says, you know, because of you, you saved my life because you were here at the right time, right place. And he says, why would you do that? And he has this opportunity to share the why. You know, he says, you're never going to believe this. God told me, get off the highway. He showed me where to go, and he brought me to your doorstep and shares this incredible moment that he has from God. And, and from whatever transpires from there, this, this, this man gives his heart to the Lord and, and begins to turn his life around, and I have no idea what happens to his life from this moment on, but all because he was willing just to take that, take that exit, listen to the voice of God, follow that risk, and begin to listen to the voice of the great I Am. Take the detour. You know, do what God calls you to do. For Peter to get out of that boat, you know, four to five miles from shore in the, in the dusk, in the darkness, sort of, I guess, before dawn, it says. You know, he's a fisherman. He knows the ways of the sea. He knows that men have gone out and not come back. And yet he's got enough faith to take the risk to get out of the boat. Sometimes, this is, this is my cliche statement for you today, Stop waiting in the boat, get out and walk. Sometimes we just need to take the exit. We need to take that step of faith, take the risk, get off, take our foot out of the boat. Now, that's, that's a huge risk to take. But that person you've been praying for, that situation you've been talking about, that, that day in, day out, that just never seems to change, the, 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 the patterns, the routines that you're tired of seeing in people's lives over and over again, all of these things that never seem to change, they never change because we keep doing the same thing over and over and again. Apparently, this is the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. You could maybe look it up and correct me later if I'm wrong, but that sounds like something insane to me. The moment we take the risk, we get out of the boat, we, we listen to the adventure that God has for us, those things that we've been praying for, the, the peoples, the lives that we want to see change, we begin to see things take shape. And I believe when we have four. Peter spent his life in a boat. He was a fisherman. It took this moment of courage, this moment of faith, where he decided, get out of the boat. Let's do something a little bit different today. Number four and our final point this morning, faith, adventure. We need faith to sustain the adventure. You know, Peter had faith to get out of the boat, but he didn't have faith to stay out of the boat. You know, what do we do when the wave comes? Okay, he sees the big wave. He takes his eyes off Jesus. The wave comes and he begins to sink. He begins to drown. Sometimes when we take, I shouldn't say sometimes, guaranteed almost every time, the moment we step out of the boat, that little voice in the back of our mind starts to talk. It starts to speak, saying, what are you doing? This is, this is crazy. You are surely going to drown. This is way over your head. You can't handle this. You're not good enough for this. You can't do this. That's not the voice of God. God says, take courage. I am with you. Take courage. I am here. Keep your eyes on me. Don't listen to that voice that says you're not good enough. I'm here. I'm good enough. Don't put the faith in yourself. Put your faith in me because I am here. I am the God of your fathers. I am the God that saved you. I'm the God that called you out of the boat. Come and follow me. I am with you. 
what do we do when the storm comes and we hear that voice? Okay, we, we, we get all excited, we jump out of the boat and, and we take our eyes off Jesus and then we, we get scared and we tread water, we do whatever we can to get out of the situation. We jump back in the boat and we say, I'm never doing that again. <laughs> never doing that Again, I've told you my story a few times. I, I dragged my mom to church when I was in kindergarten, and I said, I don't know why, but we're going to church, Mom, and this is the church that we're going to. Long story short, we went there. She felt convicted, said, I'm never going back there again. No matter what she did, she had to get her to the boat, and she went to church. Gave her heart to the Lord that Sunday, never looked back. An incredible story of the way that God has drawn my family into his holy family. All because someone decided to pray, to get involved in our lives. To say, I'm going to pray for this little boy and his mom because they need to know Jesus. They need to get out of the routines of life that they're living. The pattern of sin in their life will only continue unless Jesus can come in and make a difference. You know, people get worried that they're going to end up like their father or their mother. And, you know, it's really funny having kids because you hear your own parents' voices. You discipline them and yell at them and use their middle names and all of these things. And, you know, there certainly is, this isn't today's message, but, you know, there's patterns that take place in generations. There's patterns in our lives. Jesus can break those patterns. You know, we think, I'm just going to end up just like my dad was. I'm just going to end up just like my family, my mom. I'm just going to always live the same life that they, they lived. Nothing's ever going to change. But I know someone that can make it change. I know the great I am. And he's got a great adventure plan for you. Spirit, lead me where your trust is without borders, where my faith is made stronger. The, the fear of seeing a ghost was relieved when they saw that it was Jesus, when they heard his voice. So my question to you is, what are the ghosts in your life? What are the waves, maybe in your situation, or the storms? And, and if you were to look ahead across the lake of your life, what storms are brewing ahead? You can answer those questions. I can't. Yes, we believe that he is the son of God. When we see him, not only, not only see, this is a great moment for Peter. Okay, he has seen Jesus do incredible things. He just, they just all watched Jesus feed 5,000 people and their families. 5,000 men and their families, sorry. Crazy, incredible miracles. They watch him heal the sick and, and provide for the hungry. And yet they still haven't come to the moment where they worship him as the son of God. But this moment... Peter decides, enough is enough. I don't want to just see Jesus do another miracle. I want what Jesus has. So he gets the decision. He says, if it is you, call me out of the boat. Come. He steps out of the boat. Peter didn't want to just watch another miracle. He wanted to be another miracle. God, I think... It's called all of us, as I mentioned before, about duplication, becoming more like Jesus, being alive in Christ. It doesn't mean just talking about Jesus. It doesn't mean just telling the stories about Jesus. It means actually being Jesus to others. You know, I don't really like the expression. I find it annoying, but there is some truth to it. People say, you know, we're just Jesus with skin on. Well, Jesus did come and have skin on, so get over it. But whatever. But there's some truth to it. Don't just talk about Jesus. Don't just tell us. Don't, don't stop talking about him, by the way. Be Jesus. Get out of the boat. Walk on water. Because he is with you. The I am is with you. There's a Hillsong Young and Free um, song that came out a few years ago called This Is Living. It's these are the words. It says, waking up, knowing there's a reason. All my dreams come alive. Life is for living with you. I've made my decision. You lift me up, fill my eyes with wonder. Forever young in your love, this freedom is untainted with you. No moment is wasted. See the sun now bursting through the clouds. Black and white turns the color all around. All is new in the Savior I am found. This is living now. You lead the way, God, you're right beside me. In your love, I'm complete. There is nothing like living with you. This life you've created, I choose. You take me higher than I've been before. It's your perfect love that sees me soar. God, in your freedom, is an open door. You are everything I want and more. This is living now.
The question that we leave here this morning that only you can answer, do you really want to be alive in Christ? And what are you willing to do to be alive in him? What adventure are you willing to follow him on to be alive in Christ? Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, as we come, Lord, to the close of our message today, I just can't help but be in awe and wonder of who you are, the great I am, Lord, who called out to these 12 men and said, follow me. And Lord, that same voice has called out to us, saying, would you come and follow me? Lord, as you have made us, Lord, you're not just your creation, but Lord, you're holy children of God, those of us who have chosen to follow you. Lord, we are your holy children, and God, we're not called to be your children just to watch you do in this world. I pray that you would give us, Lord, the courage, Lord, and you would put our faith and our sights and our eyes on you, Lord, as we move forward from this place. Lord, as I opened up the message today and I talked about the dreams and, the, and all the visions, Lord, that have been placed in the hearts of people here, I pray, oh God, that, Lord, this next season, Lord, these coming days, the coming weeks, the months, even these next years, oh God, we would begin to see, Lord, these things come to fruition. Lord, may you give us the faith, Lord, not in ourselves, not in the people around us, but would you give us faith in you, oh God, to see, oh God, the things that are from you take place, to happen to grow into the wonderful things that you have planned for this place. Lord, I believe, Lord, as we continue to take bold steps of faith, Lord, as we take, Lord, a calculated risk, Lord, it's not really a risk when we're with you anyway, but Lord, when we take this moment of faith, this step of courage, oh God, we, may we just have the boldness, Lord, and the confidence in who you are to carry us through, Lord, taking this, this shift that might take place, Lord, in our lives. Lord, whatever fears hold us back, whatever, Lord, uh, chains, whatever lies, Lord, keep us from following you, from truly living in you, God, I just pray that you would come against those in your name. Lord, you would give us the faith to step out of the boat, to take courage and know that you are with us. Lord, would you make us alive again? Would you renew us, O oh God, from head to toe? Lord, would you renew us from inside out? Lord, would our hearts be challenged, Lord, to follow you, to serve you, and just lift up your name, Lord, with every breath that we have, and to praise you, the almighty God. For truly you are the Son of God. For truly you are the King of kings. God, we worship you today because you are worthy. Because, Lord, you are the great I Am. We praise you in your awesome and holy name. Amen. Amen. I hope you're blessed today. I hope you're encouraged today. And if the Lord has been speaking to your heart about something, I want you to tell someone about it. I want you to tell me about it. And we're going to believe together that God is going to do something great in you and through you. Amen.